Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast. Got a great show planned for you today. Talking with Brandon Marcus, my buddy, former NFL Network co-worker, host of the Mostly Banner podcast. Make sure you check that out on all podcast apps. We're going to discuss the World Series. We recorded a podcast about two, three minutes after Game 1 was final. The Red Sox winning 8-4. to four. We talked about what went right for the Red Sox, how the Dodgers can get back into the series. We also get Brandon's thoughts as an Angels fan on new manager Brad Osmus and some NBA action and college football as well. And then I'm going to talk to Chris Miller, another reoccurring guest on the show, about the NFL. Week 7 in the books. A lot of developments. The Raiders make that Amari Cooper trade, send him to Dallas. As a Raider fan, I hear Chris's take on that. As well as who the other team is looking good, looking poor, and is it the end of Blake Bortles? We will debate that as well. It's a Money Mitch effect. Let's start the show. All right, now on the Money Mitch effect, friend of the show, an instant reaction to Game 1 of the World Series. It is final. The Red Sox win Game 1, 8-4 to four over the Dodgers. Brandon Marcus, host of the Mostly Banner podcast. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. This really is instant analysis, though. This game, the game ended, I think, three minutes ago. Yeah, I don't. We're, we're recording before they cut to the Fox guys out in the street, so I think we're a little warmer than them, also. Yeah, but but it was it was a four hour game. It was an eight to four win for the Red Sox. Nunez hit that three run homer in the seventh to really put the game away. An interesting affair. My pick before the series started was Red Sox and six. I just like the amount of options they have in that lineup. But the Dodgers were in this one, and they were in this one, Brandon, without Kershaw's best stuff. I'm getting the feeling, I know I could be dead wrong, it's a, it's a long seven-game series, but I get the feeling like this is one they kind of might really regret not having when all is said and done. Yeah, especially when you look at the other side, you see that Chris Sale, for the second straight outing, only goes four innings. So that's got to be a concern on the Red Sox side that he was only able to go four innings. And not only those four innings, but he threw 91 pitches. So something has to give here because Chris Sale is not the same guy that they thought they were acquiring. And it's going to be up to their bullpen, which has been a weak point basically the entire season. Um, And then Craig Kimbrell, everyone was worried about. It seems like he may have figured out what he was doing wrong. May have he was tipping his pitches, perhaps, and then... Joe Buck just told a story that Eric Gagne apparently said something to Alex Cora. So uh, either way, I think if they can figure out their bullpen, that's good. But this is a little bit concerning for them that Chris Sale now has had two bad outings. And for the Dodgers, you're right. I mean, you you couldn't ask for much more. You get Sale out, and then you go to the bullpen, but your starter and Kershaw and your ace gives up five runs and four plus. Yeah, I think for uh, for Kimbrel, it also helped to be playing a team that's not filming your every move. So I think that's uh, <laughs> I'm still still a little, a little bitter. Yeah, a little a little bitter uh, with the Astros, but what can you do? Um, no, you're right there. I think Boston has a plan. We talked about this before. They're going to extend the game. They're going to make it long. They're going to go to a lot of arms in their bullpen. Sale gets pulled with that high pitch count, maybe a little early, but definitely not his best stuff. Boston's bullpen, much maligned all summer for obvious reasons. They're a 108-win team, but everybody kept talking about how their bullpen had issues. They do a good job shoring up that lead and uh, really getting out of the big jams that they had. You know, a couple big at-bats. Bellinger was up there with a couple of chances late, couldn't get it done. Turner had quite a good game for the Dodgers, but 
this is a team that, as we know, can't really get the job done clutch hitting. That's going to have to change. What are they, like one under 200 with runners uh, on base, with runners in scoring position? They were 1-7 today. Machado was 1-for-2. Kemp, Freeze were both 0-for-1. Same with Taylor, and Bellinger was 0-for-2. I mean, that's been going on the whole playoffs. So yeah. they got to fix that. They, it's going to be... They're going to get chances. They've proven they can get runners on, but, I mean, if they don't come through, this is going to be a short series. Yeah, their offense has to figure it out because the Red Sox are going to score runs. It doesn't matter who the Dodgers put out there. The Red Sox are going to find a way to score. That offense and that lineup is just way too good. At the top of the lineup, I mean, Mookie Betts was one for four, and you think, all right, you calmed down the top of the order there with Mookie only going one for four. Well, he scored two runs and he walked, and then Benintendi is next, went four for five with three runs. They're just so deadly, and they can beat you all over the place. I mean, Eduardo Nunez comes off the bench, mm. and that's where the little game of cat and mouse ended up hurting Dave Roberts. I mean, he pulls his righty, who had been doing a pretty good job. It struck out two very good batters, goes to his lefty in Alex Wood, who has struggled this postseason, and he immediately gives up a home run to a righty as Nunez pinch hits for Devers. Yeah, I want to say one thing here, and I'm glad you brought that up, the game of cat and mouse with, uh, with Roberts. We are in that golden era of analytics. We saw at peak analytics, right? You'd agree with what the Brewers did? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, probably a record that, I mean, I don't think it ever happened before. I don't have the stats in front of me, but the same pitcher starting back-to-back games, fit, facing one batter just to kind of mess with the other team. But, look, I don't, I'm not totally against analytics. I get the value of it, but in this scenario, yeah, as you said, he had a pitcher that's dealing. He went to another option. Here comes a pinch hitter off the bench, and they get gashed. I think Roberts, as much as anyone in baseball, can be guilty of overthinking things at times. It's great when it works, but that was something where I think even a, even a moderate baseball fan would be like, you've got something working. Why are you making the change? Yeah, I think you need to start trusting relievers to get both righties and lefties out. I understand that you play this game of analytics, and it's going to end up hurting you at times, but it does help in a lot of different instances, you kind of got to ride the wave where it does hurt you and you just got to swallow that. But in this case, I, I just don't understand. I mean, you three of your four relievers give up at least one run. Um, that's a problem. I mean, Urias, Baez, and Wood all gave up one run to their name. Madsen was the only one that did not give up a run that pitched for the Dodgers. And no Maeda, no Jansen, no Alexander. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys that were good throughout the season – didn't pitch, and it's a problem. To be fair, though, I thought the same thing when the Red Sox pulled Joe Kelly, who looked amazing in his inning out. You know, but they they yank him right away, and that's when the Dodgers were able to poke away, get a run there. But I agree with you. Still chatting with Brandon Marcus on the Money Mitch effect about the Dodgers Red Sox game one. I'll also say this, and this might be analytics or just how Rogers does or Roberts does things. I should say, Brandon, but. I'm also of the belief that I wouldn't cater the lineup necessarily just towards righties or lefties based on the matchup. If Bellinger is your guy, I know he's been struggling, but I would want that player out there in the lineup. If you're going to trust him to hit through it and come in the game at some point, I wouldn't be catering the lineup as much as Dave Roberts does either. Either, And he's not the only player manager in baseball to do this, but just my personal opinion, I don't like necessarily the constant tweakings of the starting lineup. Yeah, I don't think that's going to change, though. I, I think that no, it he- won't. Yeah, he's gotten to this point because of it, and he's going to continue to ride it. But to your point, it'll be interesting because unlike the Brewers, the Red Sox are going to have to try and get their starter through five or six innings. They want their starter to go deep into games where the Brewers were okay handing their bullpen, 
and then mixing and matching with the lefties and righties and just screwing up Dave Roberts' lineup. That's not going to be the case with Boston. They want their guys. They want Price to go six or seven innings. They'd like to see Porcello go five or six innings. Then we'll see if Nate Valdi gets a start. He was great in relief today. It, it, they have so many different options, and I like what Cora's doing with this whole starter getting an inning thing, guys that he trusts and he knows can keep the Dodgers off balance, and that mix has been successful so far. But like I was saying, I, I really think that the Dodgers, to your point, should go with their best lineup. Go with the guys that you trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it helped them get into rhythm, and in Bellinger and, and some of the other hitters' cases, would help them to also maybe bust out of some slumps or some some rough patches that they're going through. I also think it's interesting to note, and you might agree with this as well. We really don't get the emphasis on fielding as much until we get to the bigger stages. But again, the Dodgers made some mistakes, maybe not errors, but plays that they could have come up with. It's funny, we take baseball fielding for granted because they're pros and they're expected to make these plays, and most oftentimes they do. But I always find that it's fielding in a lot of cases in the World Series that makes the biggest difference. Yeah, I mean, if Dozier takes about a half a second less on two of those turns, then they get two double plays and runs don't score afterwards. It was seriously a game of inches today where you saw the Dodgers almost turn two double plays, but the Red Sox took advantage. And that's one thing with Boston. If you give them second and third chances, they'll kill you. They will. Uh, I'm... I'm looking at game two, Brandon, and I'm thinking this. I don't want to use the term must win for the Dodgers because obviously there's a long series left, but the Red Sox haven't lost a game on the road in the postseason. They've all year been a team to close out sweeps on the road by smelling blood in the water. Rue's been up and down. I'm interested to see what he has, and this is David Price's World Series moment. I do look at the Dodgers to win this next game, but... Man, for their sake, I really hope they do because it's going to be rocky and could be a short series if they don't. Did you see Ryu today when they showed him in the dugout? <laughs> he's so cold. Like, yeah, that's that, a... part of, that part of me really does concern me. That he's going to go out there tomorrow and just be so damn cold. And the Dodgers aren't used to this weather. I mean, Boston, yeah. obviously, these guys live here in bad weather. They're, they're used to the cold. The Dodgers aren't used to that. They have a lot of guys that have lived in SoCal for a long time. So it really will be interesting to see how Ryu performs in the cold temperatures. And I think the first and second innings are going to be crucial for him, just like it was with the Red Sox getting to Kershaw early. I think it's going to be the same exact thing getting to Ryu early. Well, this is an all-hands-on-deck game for the Dodgers and their bullpen with that travel day. This is going to be a very short leash. We'll see. I mean, he he got knocked out of the game mercilessly in game six against the Brewers. So hopefully he can bounce back for the Dodgers sake. I know what you mean. A lot of these players aren't used to the cold. Matt Kemp adjusted to it pretty good with that bomb he hit early, but we'll see. I mean, I, I we know the the Red Sox strategy and how they plan to execute it. And they're eventually going to score runs. So hopefully the Dodgers bats are on the offensive as well. It'd be nice for them if they had a lead for a change. I think that's, that could change the dynamics a little bit too, but I'm excited. I don't, I don't know how you see the series playing out all the way, Brandon, but I still expect six, maybe even seven. Yeah, I'm with you. I could see the Red Sox in six, and that's what I thought before this series started. Um, I think it just makes a lot of sense based on the Dodgers playing really well at home. Uh, I do think that Boston's going to go up 2-0 tomorrow, but I think the Dodgers immediately will steal one back um, in game three, and then the Red Sox win game four, Dodgers win game five, and then the Red Sox win in game six. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that's a fair... Fair assessment. We'll see what happens. 
And uh, before I switch sports with you here on the Money Mitch Effect, I need your opinion on your mm-hmm. new skipper for the Ooh. Halos, Brad Ausmus, because we had talked about this. Shosha's was, Mike Shosha was a was more or less on his way out. We had kind of heard that he was going to step down for a while. I know you had been thinking about which managers you like. You end up with Brad Ausmus, who was the manager from the Tiger for the Tigers. That Nap's contract renewed had some moderate success with them. Do you like him? Do you think you guys could have done better, or do you think this will be the uh, right play when all is said and done? It's funny because I've had friends ask me what I think, um, and we had here's a little teaser. We had Jason Beck, who covers Ooh. the Tigers for MLB.com, on the podcast. We taped the interview today. We're going to post it on Sunday, um, asking about Osmus, and it really does seem like Osmus is the perfect combination between the new analytics and the old managerial type style because he had that four-year run in Detroit. Um, He won 90 games with the Tigers his first year. He ended up struggling his second, rebounding with 86 wins his third, and then they were rebuilding, and so he wasn't very good in his fourth year, and the writing was kind of on the wall at that point. So he got the experience there. He made some rounds, obviously, as a player. He's a catcher, which the Angels seem to really like, with Sosha being a catcher and a lot of managers in general are really catchers and they just see the entire field. But I also do think that he has the ability to apply these analytics and he's okay doing so. He did shift a lot with the Tigers and that's something that the Angels are going to have to get used to because they weren't doing that a lot this year. Um, I think the Angels shifted the fewest of anybody in the major leagues. I could be wrong on that, but I think I heard that correctly. Uh, it's interesting because now's a time where you got to keep Mike Trout. So you need someone that's going to be in the dugout that can relate to the players but at the same time get you wins now. And I think that's a good combination and what Osmus will bring to the Angels. Yeah, I I actually was a fan of his in Detroit, and I thought they cut bait a little too early. Now, having said that, they did sputter off at the end of his run there, and it hasn't gotten much better since. But, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is can he get through to the players? Anytime a guy's been there, as long as the old manager, as Chosha has, you're going to have issues with maybe players tuning him out. So can he cut through to the players? He's a younger manager, younger-ish, so I kind of like that as well. Uh, but this is, look, there's a lot of talent in that locker room. The division races are going to be tough with, with what we saw from the ALS this year. I kind of like the hire. It wasn't one that I was expecting, but I, I've read the same things, similar stuff that you have where he's kind of a hybrid manager. That's been my favorite approach, too. So I'm willing to give this a chance. It's second go-round, and, and again, we, we all hope in any sport at that second go-round, you learn something from the first st- from your first stop and you learn how to be a better manager. Now, we're not all expecting them to be like the Bill Belichicks of getting to the second stop, but I do think there could be something here, and I think this was actually a pretty good hire. Yeah, and you have guys like Rocco Baldelli that apparently were options, and it's like, uh, oh. where, where did he come from? And um, Eric Chavez was obviously an option. The Angels sent him to AAA to manage for a that month. Was, that was weird to me, though. I. Was, is he ready for an MLB job? I know he was a great player, but that just seemed very, very rushed. Also. It was very forced. It did seem like that because they realized that Sosha wasn't coming back. And so they promoted Keith Johnson, their AAA manager, up to the big leagues and then sent Eric Chavez, who was special assistant to the GM, to AAA to kind of get his feet wet and get some experience managing. And so we only really had one month of experience and it was interesting that they decided to even consider him but obviously they thought that was going to be an option the entire time it really did seem like despite them interviewing people outside of house 
that Chavez and Osmus were the two top guys, and they ended up going with the guy that had more experience. Well, it'll be fascinating to watch. Baseball season down to the final two teams. It's Dodgers and Red Sox. It's not Angels and Indians. So, <laughs> Not that that would even be possible, but I do dislike the fact that we can't celebrate a championship on here, one of us. So, But alas, we'll see. Uh, unfortunate. One of, the, one of these days. Listen, you got your NBA finals with uh, Cleveland. and uh, Not the Browns, man. I just... Uh, oh, God. Uh, it's probably going to be well. <laughs> I, was following, I was following your... Uh, your optimistic tweet on Sunday, and then all of a sudden you get the uh, 59-yard field goal right into the groin. It's Look, my, my my biggest problem, aside from the fact that randomly the refs hate us now, which is bizarre because <laughs> we haven't won anything. Like, what did we ever do to the officials? But just make the extra point. Make the 40-yard field goal. Don't just toy with us by missing the easier ones and draining <laughs> a 59-yard. That was just cruel. Uh, that was just that was just uncalled for. Just beat us in nope. regulation like everybody else used to. Uh, yeah. But, all right, Brandon Marcus, Money Mitch Effect. I want to get your thoughts on some hoop stuff. And, yeah, Saturday night, college football's raining in. I'm, I'm losing another bet. It, it just It's going poorly. But the NBA just comes front and center with uh, the Lakers and the Rockets. So I know it's early. I know records don't really matter too much. Lakers are 0-3, whatever. I mean, the Warriors are great. We, we know these things. that They'll all even out. But the incident between Chris Paul, Rondo, Brandon Ingram being in there, LeBron being peacemaker, whether Rondo spit or didn't spit, all this stuff, regardless of what happens and what a bad look it is for certain players, it gets people talking. So I think that might have been the best publicity, any publicity for the NBA in football season was having something go down between some stars in your league. The NBA seriously finds some story every single month. It's unbelievable. The Jimmy Butler thing, I mean, how great was that? Everyone following his every move when he was uh, leaving practice and going and playing with the scrubs, the end of the bench, and winning against the starters. I mean, everyone wanted to be there for that scrimmage. They wanted to hear from Jimmy afterwards. Rachel Nichols scored an interview with Jimmy Butler that day. It's um, all the different stories that happened during the offseason. LeBron, obviously, it's somehow become a sport where – Everyone is interested because it has the best human interest stories. And the NBA just does a good job of being out front and center, having their stars, and actually pushing those stars forward into the limelight where they can attract attention. And so far, they're doing a pretty good job. This, yeah, They have the best publicity machine, which is just anything and everything and, and getting through to the public of any league. It just keeps cranking. They just keep cranking out story after story. This was a classic example. There's really no right answer in, in this scenario. Like I get what Rondo is saying, and that Chris Paul has kind of been a jerk to him, has done some shady things. Rondo's no angel either. They've obviously had beef way back. It was just funny to see this happen. Also funny to see Ingram actually decide that he wants to, to level up and throw some wild, potentially cheap shots in there. But yeah, the story, so, what's Ingram doing getting involved in that? Well, Ingram Ingram shoved Harden, which I get, because Harden tried to, he did, he, he kind of flopped and drew a foul on him, which he does, and I could see how that would piss people off. But this story was about LeBron James, how his best buddies are on the other team, and he's breaking this fight up while everyone's speculating it's because he wants to keep his vacations together in the summer. That was <laughs> what the entertaining part of it was, was that he was doing the right thing, playing Peacemaker in a fight, but... He had his friends on the other team. So, of course, it comes back to him. But I, I just – there's always something amusing. It was a two-day discussion over whether Rondo spit. And, look, 
I mean, both of these teams haven't gotten off the great starts out of the gate, but uh, anytime something like this happens, the Lakers are, are, as you know, living in Los Angeles, back in this town, so now anything that they do is newsworthy, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Especially if they have LeBron. I mean, every single day you're going to have a LeBron-related story when they're playing. I mean, yesterday it was them going into overtime against the Spurs and losing, and can LeBron make this shot? Can he make this free throw? Is he... The same guy, I mean, would Kobe have done this? And it's it's comparing everything left and right, and that's what they do in Los Angeles. And with Rondo and Paul, it's just, yeah, two guys that obviously have played against her for a long time and don't like each other. And when you have this kind of stuff happen, one little thing can set one player off, and then other guys want to get involved, and that's when this happened. But it was interesting because I think the NBA could have made the suspensions even worse, and Ingram even said that he thought it was going to be worse. So that that part's interesting to me because you kind of set a standard for the rest of the season. Um, hopefully this doesn't happen again, but you set a standard that's pretty low. It, it is also fascinating too, Brandon, to look at the scores. Like I know the Lakers lost uh, to the Spurs last night as we record this in overtime, 143 to 142. So defense is just deteriorating. It's dying a slow and brutal death. I really yeah. think I really think we're going to get a 200-point night at some point, double or triple overtime. The pace has really changed. I think before tonight, um, the Clippers played against the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans were averaging 140 a night. So the pace has really changed. I mean, these guys are getting up and down. They're encouraging their guys to shoot. Um, maybe something that has to do with it is that the shot clock no longer goes down to 24 after an offensive rebound. It goes to 14. So that saves a couple of seconds here and there. But nonetheless, I think guys are just pushing the tempo, and that kind of has to do with um, the Warriors and what they've done to the game of basketball because you have so many guys that are shooting threes, and you don't have the center that's the Shaquille O'Neal. Your center is Draymond Green. I mean, you have guys that are going to shoot and spread the floor, and that's what NBA this NBA has become where you want to have your spread four. I mean, a guy like Blake Griffin, I think it was the four or the five coming down the wire tonight. Yeah. He now has five threes to his name and scores 50 points. Yeah, what a game he had tonight, too. The first 50-point game of the season, having the game-winning in one, uh, really putting together an all-around game. Uh, unfortunately, not for your Clippers, which... Oh, I, I hope he stays healthy, though. I really would like to yeah, see... Yeah, we need that as, as basketball fans, because he was a, he was a top-five player. I think it's really safe to say that about five years ago. Yeah, he's very good, and he can be in the MVP conversation if he ends up staying on the floor because I think in his first three games he scored over 20 plus and I think he has 30 plus in another game and obviously 50 in this game Um, but we'll see I mean it's fun because you have so many different storylines early on I mean the Pelicans and Anthony Davis I mean Davis has been unbelievable Um, you have Westbrook who set out the first couple of games came back and almost got a triple double you have everything with the Lakers the Celtics the Sixers it's, it's you have a lot of teams that are interesting and fun to watch yeah, I, I want to also point out one thing, and, and we talk about betting a lot on this in, in this podcast and in, in our personal life, and I don't really do too much of that in the NBA or, or look too much of that in the NBA, but I was really digging the under for the Lakers, just given the year one building this team. Yeah, same here. Defensively, this team is awful. They've given up over 130 points a game, 132 a game on the season. That's worse than the league. Yeah, and, and that year is always difficult. By the way, LeBron always struggles out of the gate with his first year with these new teams. He and defensively is obvious. I, I, I'm not saying he's lost a step, but he conserves energy. He's right. getting his bearings. He's conserving energy. They're building this team. They're adding LeBron. It's 
it's hard to gel. So I'm not, and this this has no bearing on what they can or can't do in the playoffs because seeding, as we know, doesn't really matter to LeBron James-led teams, although this is a different conference. But for win totals for regular season and for a guy at year whatever, what is this, 15 where he's 16, where he's you know trying to save up for the playoffs, I, I just don't see this team being built for the regular season. I think people are just caught the buzz and thought that they could you know get the huge trade which may or may not happen this year but what i just don't see the lakers being a great regular season team this year i think they'll end up probably around the five or six spot when all is said and done yeah um i think you have teams like the jazz the rockets the warriors denver maybe, maybe even the nuggets yeah that are, go under the top four i think the nuggets are a really good regular season team because i think they're going to score and they're going to pick their spots to defend but it's going to be really tough to start that. I mean, to stop that starting lineup of Millsap, Harris. If Barton obviously isn't healthy and he's out for six to eight weeks, but it would have been Millsap, Harris, Barton, Jokic, and Millsap. I mean, those are really talented players. Yeah, there's some storylines this year in the NBA that I think are fascinating. Um, I'm interested to see who picks up the pieces in the West, in the Eastern Conference. Looks like it could be the Celtics, but Toronto. He's off to a good start too. You got to like what you're seeing from him. A- absolutely, they're. Uh, it's just good to have him back, although he's not on the Spurs anymore. It's good to have him in the Eastern Conference where there's a balance of power now. Giannis is, is playing great. Milwaukee is undefeated. Detroit also undefeated. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. I, I think, look, if the Warriors weren't around, this would be just awesome, right? <laughs> like, we'd have all these exciting teams that we wouldn't know who the best is, but alas, we do. Yeah, that that was another over-under, by the way. That was stupid. The Bucks. It's I think it opened at 46 and closed at 48. And still, that team is so damn good. Yeah. Uh, and they have a coach now. <laughs> sure. Exactly. They have a guy who actually knows what he's doing and actually cares. Yeah, I think Hoops, it's always fascinating to see how it starts uh, off this season. But we'll see. I mean, a lot of exciting a lot of exciting basketball ahead. Brandon Marcus, before I let you go, appreciate you coming on the show. I need some college football thoughts, teams that maybe you're, you're digging on this year. Because I, I'll say this much, Alabama might be the best team I've ever seen. That it's very possible and they're ruining the game of college football because they're just running over everybody it's not even close i mean did we expect tua to be this good i mean i don't think anybody expected that when they made the no. change hurts to tua no did, did we one a one b did we expect tua to be a runaway heisman winner to be basically flawless when the games are somewhat competitive no, <laughs> no I mean, who expects that from anybody I know he's Saban's best quarterback he's yeah, he's ever had, but I mean this just isn't fair what they're doing. If they, it's very realistic to think they're going to beat every team through the championship game by double digits. Yeah, it's very realistic to think they're going to destroy everybody, and, and literally the the national championship could easily be like a thirteen point spread. You never know who's <laughs> going to be in it. it. It's that. Oh man, I yeah. Well, aside from Alabama, I was a little obviously disappointed in Ohio State's loss, but the playoff picture from two to four is wide open. And how about LSU, man? I yeah, man. Talk about a team I have no pulse for in winning games and making bets. I mean, they are all over the place. I'm still not giving them much of a chance to beat Alabama. Sorry, Coach O. I just that team's just a different beast. But they get up for big games. It's just a matter of can they consistently put together a full campaign because the Florida game really hurt me. I thought they were going to win that game. If they would have beaten Florida, this team would be number two in the country right now. Yeah, 
they, they've been really good and winning some big games. But, yeah, obviously one loss in their resume. Uh, Michigan, I think, will end up falling off. I just don't think they're as good as they're playing. Uh, I think the schedule's kind of been easy towards them. Yeah. But also Texas. I mean, give them credit over there. What, what a turnaround um, for a team that was in the dumps about one or two years ago. So Michigan, the media their schedule picks up. With all due respect to Michigan State, not exactly the uh, most elite team this year. Lost the game to Arizona State early. Yeah, they're going to have a chance. Beat Penn State, beat Ohio State, go to the Big Ten title game, beat Wisconsin again or Iowa. I mean, yeah, the Wisconsin one was very impressive, but we'll see if they can keep it going. Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame is in a position now where they can potentially get into the playoff with one loss. They have that yep. Michigan win that looks better by the day and, and keeps improving. My, uh, I, unfortunately, it looks like the Pac-12 is going to get shut out. So yeah, they're not, they're not good this year. I mean, it's very deserved to get shut out. That conference has just not been good this year. My bold claim is that if Clemson doesn't go undefeated, a one-loss Clemson team does not get in over a one-loss Big 12 team. Just really? don't see it. Yeah, just don't see it because you're going to essentially, it's probably going to be Oklahoma and Texas again in the Big 12 title game. So the winner of that game, that's another pretty big win. It could be Texas beating Oklahoma twice. West Virginia will have something to say uh, about that. But I just don't think the ACC is that good this year. I mean, we everyone was talking about NC State as this little pretty contender, and, and they were you know 20 point, 17 point underdogs, and they lost by like 30. So um, yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot to discuss. It's it's kind of like it's kind of like the NBA, right? Where we we have one team that's just too good, and everything else is exciting. But we kind of feel like we know what the final is going to be. Yeah, for sure. We just don't know who's going to be joining them. I mean, we know that Alabama is going to be there, and there are a lot of different teams that could be joining them. Um, but, yeah, to your point, I mean, you think Texas, Oklahoma, one of those two teams gets in, and then you have Notre Dame that possibly gets in, and then, yeah, it's Clemson, LSU, Michigan, um, Ohio State, Georgia, that are probably all fighting for one spot, and I'm sure – UCF wind up running the table, and they'll try and make a case for them being the uh, top four. Yeah, they could hang another banner, whatever they want to do. <laughs> it's yeah. not going to make a difference. Um, all right, Brandon Marcus, this was a blast. Appreciate you as always. Everybody out there listening, make sure to check out the Mostly Banner podcast, streaming on all podcast apps. And if you really do need a, uh, a new coach at USC football, if you want to find somebody else, I think Hugh Jackson worked there for a little bit. So no, that. no, we're good. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I watched Matt Hard Knocks there to uh, see that he, he doesn't even really like his coordinators very much. So I'm good there. Thank you very much. I will pick him up from the airport if you change your mind. But okay, it's uh, that deal doesn't expire, so you can accept it any time. Uh, Brandon Marcus, this was a blast. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks for having me. Huge thanks again to Brandon Marcus for coming on the show, talking a variety of sports topics, which you can find him do on the Mostly Banner podcast. Make sure you check it out wherever podcasts stream. Big thanks again to him. And now it's time to talk NFL with Chris Miller. Lots of debate. My Browns go to overtime again. Fourth game of the season. They lose this one to Tampa Bay. Talk about that team. His Raiders. Man, two, two sorry teams right now in the NFL. We'll see if they can each turn it around. What to make of the NFC East? Are the Rams and Chiefs almost virtually unstoppable? Can anybody really get in their way? The Patriots, they're rounding into form. We talk about them. And the Blake Bortles sitting as well. It's the Money Mitch Effect with Chris Miller. Here it is now. All 
All right, Money Mitch Effect, return of Chris Miller, noted Bay Area sports fanatic. <laughs> That's right, yes. Thank you for having me. Still optimistic, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Of um, course. Even when it's been – okay, I'll, I'll just cut right through it. It's been a disaster for yeah. the Raiders. It's but been a e- bad year. <laughs> even in a bye week, it's been noteworthy. The That's trade true. comes through. Yep. Amari Cooper traded the Cowboys for a first-round pick. Which was a great – great for the Raiders. Yeah, let's talk about that. Um, I think the return is obviously great. Sure. Now, now that gives you three first-round picks, and even if you play the percentages, and if you nail two of them, that's pretty good. Yeah. My thing is, and I want to hear your perspective as a Raiders fan. Does it does pulling the white flag so early? You're, it's basically a full rebuild right now. Yeah. Is that is that a good look for this franchise to be doing, giving all the external stuff Gruden's in with the huge contract? There's been some friction. The team's leaving Oakland. It yeah. just seems like it's – I get the long-term play, and it's great when you can get a first-round pick from Jerry Jones or whoever. Right, yeah, exactly. But it's got to be depressing as a Raiders fan to just know that you're just jet-set and pretty much running guys out of town, running or trading them out of town, that are talented. Yeah, I mean, I will say this – it. From a PR standpoint, this is not a good time for the Raiders. Everything looks really bad. Uh, this kind of reminds me a little bit when Chip Kelly came and took over uh, in Philadelphia, and he basically jettisoned a, a lot of great players. And that didn't turn out very well either. But at the same time, I feel like the Raiders are a bit more committed to, to Gruden than the Eagles were to Chip Kelly. Mm. So The car stuff scares me, though. Like sure. That report, and, and I didn't watch his last game. The Was it the London game was the last game they yeah, played against, against Seattle, the Seahawks? Yeah. For obvious reasons. <laughs> it wasn't the most competitive game. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So the thing comes <laughs> out that Carr was crying when he got injured, and that might have fractured a locker room relationship. And whether or not that's true or, or what people think about whether that should be something to – picket car or whatever yeah. the fact that it gets out is what scares me because you have people that are letting this out of the locker room and that clearly there is a divide whether that's between players only or with Gruden and players yeah but Derek Carr himself responded to that and said that that story is fabricated it's not true um so I, I mean I, I hope I, so I, I tend to believe him more than than someone who's well, that's what he, no, rumors. I know but that's what he's saying and I don't I believe him that he doesn't feel like there's any issue but there could be guys in the locker room and and this is of what course. happens when you lose. I mean, when you lose, when it's you not lose, roses. Right. And, and I do wonder if Gruden likes Carr. That, that's where I'm going with this is that is he in the future plans for John Gruden? God, I hope so. I mean, look, he's having a, he's having a down year. But here's the thing. Last year, also a down year, but he was hurt. New offensive coordinator. Uh, not a very good offensive coordinator. Nope. Um, this year... The offensive line has uh, been decimated by injuries. Uh, Colton Miller, granted, he he's not injured. He's he's started every game so far, but he's a rookie, you know, and he's going through those rookie growing pains. So that makes things a little tough for Derek Carr. He's getting hit a lot, so obviously you're going to have issues there. Again, not a very good offensive coordinator. On my, uh, you know, no. they're playing a very boring offensive game, and honestly, yeah, you're going to have issues there, but. At the same time, like I said, you know, to quote the the Sixers here, you kind of have to trust the process, uh, and that's that's all you have at this moment. You know, yeah. you have to kind of assume that hey, well, maybe these guys are a little smarter than we give them credit for, and that they're actually building towards something. And you know, we'll see we'll see the end result eventually. It, it might be a year or two, but we'll see something at some point. Yeah, ten year deal, so he's not going anywhere <laughs> exactly. soon. Exactly, I, I do think that that's part of the the pessimism, is yeah. that. 
it, you have to trust Gruden, and that's where people are like, okay, through seven games, through what's happened, through some of the transactions, maybe it's a little hard to do that right now, but we'll see. I mean, it is the long game, so yeah. for, the, for the move, if Cooper Cooper goes to Dallas and they gave up a first-round pick and they're clearly a desperate team, as we know, yeah. if he gets his drops in order, yeah. he can be a good player. He's clearly the best receiver on that Cowboys team now. So yeah. if he balls out... It is a lot to give up. It's more than they probably should have given up, considering a guy like Josh Gordon goes for a fifth-round pick. I know there was some other stuff with that. Yeah, but if Cooper, but, but shows Cooper up, hasn't, hasn't no, missed entire seasons due to drug problems. No. So there's a reason why no. Cooper went out for a higher price. Yeah, also, I didn't have the year, though, that Gordon had. So I yeah. mean, that's true. I, I just What I'm saying yeah, is that... When did he have that year? Was that 2013? Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> so, if Cooper balls out, no one will really care, is my big point is that if he has a great year if he plays well down the stretch if he plays like he did as a rookie then okay people will, will not really Cowboys fans especially will not be like we gave up too much for him because if they're serious about winning now they needed to do something yeah I mean and look I think the Raiders got a great deal of it they got a first round pick which is which is great you know basically you're losing a first round wide receiver for for a first round and here's the thing and I love Cooper and obviously love the Raiders but if you really look at like how he's played, he had a couple of thousand yard seasons, which to me I don't I don't get wild by thousand yard seasons for receivers these days because not, not with the way that the league is set up to to really help the passing game. Last year, really bad year, and even you know even since his rookie year, he's never really been the wide receiver one. I mean, they gave him that opportunity this year, and he faded away. You know, I mean, he was in the shadows of Crabtree when when he was there. Crabtree clearly became Carr's favorite target, and honestly, it felt like if they had to choose between those two receivers this year, I would have stuck with Crabtree. Mm, you know, even yeah. though Crabtree was having some drops issues, but that was partly because he was hurt. Yeah, it was the age investment issue. I think, right. obviously, production Crabtree outperformed him. We'll see. I mean, he's still super young. Yeah, and, and he's a great receiver. Look, I, I like I said, I love Coop. Given the right offense, if you let the guy really run the route trees that, that he's good with, you know, making double moves where he can use that, you know, really good footwork to mm-hmm. create space for himself. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna succeed. So it's hard to say. I mean, I, I wish him the best of luck, obviously, but, you know, I'm glad that if they were going to get rid of him, they got a first-round draft pick. I think, you know, the Raiders came out uh, not ahead, but mm-hmm. at least in a good spot with that. We'll see if Dallas is the place. I don't know if you saw the end of that game, but wow. Jason Garrett just continues to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I don't know what he has on Jerry Jones, but it must be He's a lot. some serious dirt or something. They, I always get upset, especially when the Browns and Hugh Jackson are doing this, which we can get into later. But sure. I get upset when, and we can debate whether or not that should have been a, a snapping violation or whatever, but they laid up when teams lay up for long field goals. Down three. You have plenty of time left on the clock. They got like three plays off inside the Redskins 50 with a minute to go. And I have a big issue with that. Yeah. Play aggressive. You're only down three. You could potentially win the game. It, is that a lack of trust in Dak Prescott? Is that Garrett just being aloof? I, I, maybe maybe both. But in yeah. the end of the, at the end of the day, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm sick because you add this to the Texans game where he yeah. punts inside the 50 on like yeah. a fourth and one. He's just not good at executing down the stretch and it's cost his team a chance at a couple of victories. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of Garrett's M.O., it seems. And <laughs> I feel like Garrett's one of those coaches who has benefited from having talented players on his team as opposed to being a good coach. 
Well, it's the, like, and it's then like the, the cupboard Spolstra, gets bared. And then the, the cupboard... effect in Miami when he was when LeBron was there. Yeah. I don't think Spolstra was a great coach. Uh, he just had an incredible team yeah, that he, he that he coached. Yeah. Spolstra has has some pretty good name recognition, even with some of the jobs he's done post LeBron. Yeah. I think, and I'm not saying he's great, but that's a little embarrassing for but Spolstra's I mean, upset you give, with that if you comparison. Give Spolstra, like any team that didn't have LeBron yeah. and Wade well, yeah. and Bosh, does no, he I win? Know. Does he go to the finals? Like the cupboard times? gets. Does he win yeah. two? The cupboard no. gets bare when. Dez yeah. isn't what he was, and Dak right. might not be. And there's a lot to, to address about whether or not Dak is going to be a franchise quarterback or not. And that division is keeping him in the race because the Redskins are, what, 4-2, and two, and they're, yeah. the, they're the division bears right now, but we all have our questions about them sure. in big games. I I just I don't know. I mean, the Cowboys should should be better than 3-4. and four. I'm not saying that they're a great team. But we but, say that every year about the Cowboys. On well, paper, they, they need a coaching change. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Every year on paper, the Cowboys always look like a good team. You're like, oh, it's Tony Romo in his prime. It's Dez Bryant. They've got a halfway decent defense. This is the team to beat in the NFC East. Yeah. And then what happens? Bad coaching. I mean, that's what it boils down to. When you have a team that has a lot of talent and you're still losing, that comes down to coaching and preparedness and, and making – the right calls and the right changes and the right adjustments. And I don't think Garrett and his team do that. I'll talk about bad coaching in a little bit, but one other thing I wanted to bring up is that this division is very poor. Part of that is, I mean, we expected, some of us might've expected the Giants to be a little better. They're pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I expected the Giants to be a lot better. I'll tell you that much. I, I expected them to be seven and nine range. Yeah. Is that like is that too much to ask? Six and ten, seven and nine. I'm not saying I didn't expect them to be a playoff contender, but I expect them to be more competitive. And Saquon looks good. Saquon looks great. Um, but Eli is deteriorated. The offense is sputtering. Yeah, um, but I mean, is it is it Eli is deteriorating, or is it that offensive line just can't block? It's a little of both. But when you have a guy, see, here's the thing. Like we could say this. Reason why we don't say this about Russell Wilson in Seattle is because he's got mobility and right. he can escape the rush. Exactly. The type of quarterback Eli is, not just the aging part of it, but that he is a statue back there. And there are some statues that are still playing pretty well, obviously. Yeah. But he's not doing that any. He's I mean, not, Tom Brady's a statue. Yeah. yeah, he would have a tough time with you that know? line. But no, the offense is is a little is a little poor. Obviously, that's an understatement. And. They've got some issues in that locker room. That's what happens when losing happens. I don't want to yeah. get into a tangent about Odell Beckham Jr., but I will say he is an unbelievable talent. He's got the rest of his hopefully long career ahead of him, but he acts like a baby quite a bit, and but, he's yeah, not the only he, one. He's not the only one. That's wide receivers for you. It though. is. I mean, that's kind of how it is. Let me, let me throw this out there to you. What do you think the chances are the Raiders use some of those draft picks that they have acquired through trades to go and get Odell Beckham? I First of all, I would – be vehemently against that for a couple of reasons. One really? being, you, you want to build like, something from the bottom up. Yeah, you get you get those affordable deals, not the Odell Beckham max deals for okay, the salary. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just don't. Odell seems like the kind of guy that needs to be reined in, and it's going to happen in a culture of you winning. You don't think? And I don't think he's going to be the guy that uh, in. Maybe not, but I just don't think he's going to be the guy that from the ground up, like, okay, we're building something, we're going to be bad again this year. It's going to be a long journey. He's not yeah. a long journey type of guy. Yeah, but give him a, a better offensive line and a, and a better quarterback. I mean, are you sure? Are you sure he's going to be in? Is, that's that's the gamble you'd be yeah, taking. That's are true. you sure that he's going to be all in, ready to go? And and it was just a bad situation in New York. I'm rooting for him because I thought talent wise, he's as good as we've seen in a long time. But yeah, he's a phenomenal receiver. 
By no, the way, I mean, obviously yeah. that's all very speculative. I don't think the Raiders actually make that deal. I think they're saving those draft picks because they they need younger talent on that team. You know, obviously they let two very young, talented players go. But, outside, you know, th- th- it's an old roster, but... It'd be it, kind of fun to see him and Derek Carr together. I'm not gonna lie, I wouldn't. Would I would enjoy that. It'd be exciting. Uh, Giants, Giants lose that game on Monday night to the Falcons. Quick point. Yeah. Leading passing yards in the NFL this year, Matt Ryan, not Pat Mahomes. Yeah. So, I mean, I know he gets criticized a lot, and some of it's deserved, but he's still putting up numbers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, <laughs> still putting up numbers. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. I mean, I don't. I don't think good, anyone... not great. That's fine. Many teams yeah. will take good in this NFL. Oh, of course. Look, there are very few great quarterbacks in the NFL right now. There's a lot of really good quarterbacks. You yeah. know, I mean, how many great There's some bad ones. <laughs> there's some bad ones, sure. But, I mean, look, like Drew Brees is great. Tom Brady is great. Matt Ryan is really good. You know, Mahomes... You know, it's his first season. Let's, let's, you know, he's, he's so far he's looking really good. It's but. the best debut to a season that... I've ever seen. I'm just going to throw that out there about Mahomes, which we'll cover his game in a second. But yeah, yeah you're I mean, right. he's, I mean, he's been fun to watch. You put together a body of work and you see, but I just want to bring up the Matt Ryan thing. The Falcons, with the NFC the way it is, that second wildcard spot could be 9-7. and seven. Like It wasn't yeah. what we expected. A lot of teams that we thought would be good are, are bottoming out. None maybe more than Money Mitch here with Chris Miller, but none maybe more than the Eagles. Yeah. Three and four. Now, there were scenarios across the board in the NFC East that the rest of the division wouldn't be good. We could all see Dallas struggling. The Redskins, yeah. too. I mean, 4-2 and two is probably better than a lot of people thought. And even the yeah. Giants, there was that path for self-implosion. But the Eagles, 3-4. and four. Yeah. I mean, you look at this stretch of schedule, like the first seven games, you'd be hard-pressed, I think, to ask anybody that they'd be worse than 4-3. and three. If we were just asking from the start. They lost three games all of last season. Yeah. And their four losses this year... I mean, they lost to the Vikings, who used that win to turn around, but were 1-2-1, and one, I think, at the time of that loss. Yeah. They lost to Tampa Bay. They just lost to That's, Carol. They just lost to Carolina. Carolina's which, a better team than they get credit se- for. Right. Yeah. But 17 nothing going into the fourth quarter at home. Well, and Defending I think, champs. Come I on. Think that's, I don't care who that is. You do not lose that game. I think that's indicative of what seems to be going on right now in Philadelphia. It seems like their defense is what's been letting them down more than anything else. And that was a defense that, granted... I wouldn't say their defense last year was fantastic, but it, they came up big when they needed to. So, yeah, they're just not stopping. They're not stopping teams like the, like they need to. Uh, Secondary but let's also issues, yeah. let's give some credit to Cam Newton. I mean, come on, for he, sure, for <laughs> sure. No, anytime a team He's, comes back like that, obviously Cam, they are. He's well, they're a fast talented team. Yeah, I, I, it's hard, they're hard to trust. <laughs> Because yes. they go in to play the Redskins and get, you know, shellacked a little bit. And then yeah. they come back and beat the Eagles. So, yep. you know, had that bad loss to the Falcons this year, but can but can turn it on and beat some good teams. So, yeah, look, I, I'm not I'm not in the group that Cam. I mean, I think Cam is a great is like close. I'm pushing it on great. You know, like he's not. I don't know if door, I would. I don't know if right? I put him in the category of great. But he's, he's tough. Cer- he's certainly he certainly tough. was the Super Bowl year. He was fantastic. Yeah. The Super Bowl year. But. Yeah, the, you know the the Panthers are the only team right now that I think in that in their respective divisions I say okay they're challenging a good team for their division. Yeah. The Rams are so far in front in the NFC West. Oh, we can God, just call yeah. it now. Yeah, and then the other two divisions we don't even know who the who the alpha is. Yeah, so I, I just uh, think, especially the NFC North. I mean, yeah. right now it's the Bears, but well, is it? I think that's a yeah. good time to talk about. It. So they played pretty well against the the Patriots. 
They lose 38-31 in a very fascinating game where if special teams is a little better, they might actually win that game. Yeah. Trubisky has looked better. Yeah. yeah he's still a second-year quarterback. And yeah, he, and he's, but he's looking pretty darn good. Well, we've been over this. He doesn't have to be amazing on no. that team. Their defense, though, I want to point out, not as invincible as we thought. Great pass rush. Great pass rush. Secondary could use a little work. Yep. They Big plays left and right against the Patriots, which I know they're the Patriots, but Rodgers beat them a couple times. Like They've been giving up big chunk plays, which yeah. they'll have to figure. And I think part of it, you know, they're technically in last place in that division. 3-3 three and three tied with the Lions. You have Green Bay at 3-2-1 and one, and Minnesota at 4-2-1. and one. So any yeah. one of those teams can go to the playoffs, I think. Least talent by far in any of those teams was the pack is the Packers. It's just Rodgers is yeah, isn't that willing that team. Yeah, but I, yet they're but they're still in the mix though. Hey, but how, you're right. How funny was this graphic though? By the way, when they talked about Monday Night Football last week, mm-hmm. the Rodgers and McCarthy combo and all they've accomplished in 13 years. It's like okay, a Super Bowl. Win, Wait, no, yeah. no, no. Hold on. Oh. The the combo like it's a partnership. Okay. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> like it's not like it's not one guy just dragging somebody yeah. to all this uh, yeah, success in spite of him. Hmm. I I'm, I imagine that that Aaron Rodgers is quite sore from carrying not only that offense but also his coaching staff. Yeah, I would say the Bears are in a position to make a run with that defense, especially when the weather gets colder. Yeah, the Lions. <laughs> We do this every year, right? We try to think of reasons why they might be good, and then ultimately are just like, well, they're just the Lions are going to be bad. Right. Yeah. Given the fact that the division isn't nearly as good, like mm-hmm. in every other year, even last year was the Vikings, but most years it's Aaron Rodgers, but there's that team yeah. that's just good. Yeah. You know, you're like, can the Lions contend for a wild card spot? Yeah. The opening's there. They actually kind of have a running game now. on Johnson's been great. Yeah. It that's, could, that, they could. They that's could one thing the Lions have really lacked through the years. I mean, they've never really had like a serious running threat. So they could make a run. Like I'm not. I'm not ruling any of these teams out. And I think the Lions. If you're gonna take a chance yeah. on the Lions as a betting man, this is probably the year to do it. You're to, ahead, be, you're, oh, to, to win the Super Bowl or just no, make no, the playoffs. No, to make the playoffs. Come on. Oh yeah. yeah I mean, sure. What, the way the to NFC North the is division, right now, to even win the divisions. I feel like the NFC North is a major crapshoot. Although I think I think the Vikings are gonna. Start leveling out and and take over. Their defense is too good not to. They're uh, not as good as they were last year, but they're still pretty good. Yeah, they're still pretty darn good. I have issues with the secondary. Yeah, it's a little burnt at times. The sure. focus hasn't quite been there. Last year they seemed like they just handled business. This yeah. year they had the terrible loss to the Bills. They've been in some close yeah. games at times. Great week against the Jets. Props to Adam Thielen, man. What a baller. Like, that guy, he's, seven straight 100-yard games, which has never been done before. And next yeah. week, if he goes for 100, he ties Calvin Johnson, which I think is for the all-time record. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and he's on pace. I know Undrafted one, D2 player. At one point, he was on pace for 1,700 yards receiving this year. I think he's uh, on pace for closer to 1,800 right he's now. He's got 800 through seven ga- 822 through seven games. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. Well, um, if you think about it, if he's averaging 100 plus per game, that's at minimum 1,600 yards. Plus, and then you take the pluses. Yeah. That's that's seventeen to eighteen hundred. We'll get a mathematician on here. Just at a really quick point too. There's a spot that uh, is near our area here, uh, where it has a nice trivia on Thursday nights called Irish Times. I don't know. Oh if yeah, you know yeah, that. I know that place. Uh, I had a friend in town from Minnesota the night that they lost to the Rams. Uh huh. Wouldn't let our team name be Sexual Thielen. <laughs> 
that that's was, a great that was, name. That was offensive, really. I mean, it's an adult bar. Like I've on. been to Irish times. I'm surprised they got right? offended that's by anything. Like, come on, man. <laughs> it was the night of the game. It's a it's a reference. Yeah, that's a great name. I know. I thought it would be good, but yeah, you're probably right. It looks like the Vikings division can never count Aaron Rodgers out. But man, this is yeah, that's I, true. I, I Packer fans have told me that they just they feel like his years are being wasted. They are. Maybe not just the coaching. It's more of the personnel management. The talent is just... Well, yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, but I think part of it's coaching, too, because, I mean, if you look at the talent around him, it's not great. But Tom Brady doesn't have the greatest of talent around him half the time, and he's still winning games. So a lot of that comes down to good coaching. you got to get him a defense, though. I think that's the big thing, and the Packers' defense Well, their defense was, at least at the beginning of the year, was fairly decent. I don't know where that went, but... CJ Bathard let him up. I mean, it's just that's true. Bathard, they still they still won that game though. <laughs> <They did. laughs> that's right. because the Niners are you know they're a team in progress. All right, I'm gonna give my take now on the Money Mitch effect about the Browns game. Okay, four overtime games through seven, they lose to the Bucks. Yeah, their NFL record is five, by the way. So we're almost there. Four out of our first seven games have been overtime. Yeah. Hugh Jackson's a moron. Like I just, I don't know what other way to say it. I'm just like, I, there's, there's being an idiot, and there's, there's. I, I actually do think teams get shook a little bit coaching against yeah. him because he's a crazy person. He is. He's sixteen yeah. two, first half, balls on the sixteen yard line, fourth and two. Yeah, we go for it. Yeah, the only points we'd had up in that point. The only time I think we even got into the red zone that game. Yeah, and we don't take the field goal, take the points, and end up losing. Those things do add up. I mean, that's just one, you know, in a lot of examples of why I just really don't trust this guy. Now, there's a lot of reasons why they lost this game. You can't have a poor half. You can't basically take a half off offensively yeah. against whoever. Yeah, sure. Um, you you got to do a better job. The receivers either it, it all it's all relative. We know the line's got to do a better job blocking. Baker can't hold on to the ball as much. He took a lot of sacks. Receivers got to get open. Yep. Why couldn't they have just benched Carlos Hyde if they wanted to get Chubb more involved? Because what you're essentially doing is, in addition to sabotaging my fantasy team, I had to throw that in there, <laughs> but what you're essentially doing is losing all your depth at that running back position. Yeah. And you're taking a leap. Chubb's looked good, but I just wasn't ready to just say, okay, now it's just Chubb and Duke and Hyde's not there. Yeah. I don't think a trade was necessarily needed if the only goal was to get Chubb involved, which I agree with, but you don't have to get rid of Hyde in the process, I wouldn't think. I think Chubb's the real deal, honestly. I mean, I, I, I had the chance to watch some of his college film for projects that I was doing on, working on when I was in NFL, and he was fun to watch. And like the, you know, and you know the, the sort of stuff we get sent from college. It's not the best quality, and it's usually from really cruddy angles. He's but, a beast. No, there's no question. He, he, he was he's electric. I I liked him in uh, in some ways more than Saquon Barkley. I didn't think he was going to be you know an early draft like Saquon because he just didn't have. The, the big recognition that Barkley had last year. But he's he's a legitimately really good running back. And I think, you know, yeah, is he going to lead the Browns to the playoffs this year? No, but I think the Browns are in a good spot. They have a lot of good young talent. I, I will admit, I don't know if we talked much about Baker Mayfield um, prior to this year, but I know we talked about it a little bit. I, I'm pretty sure I gave you some grief about that draft pick. Right. But I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a pretty good quarterback, uh, and they've got some good young talent on the defensive side. I mean, they're they're a team to at least be hopeful for. I would say, yeah. And now Baker's looked great when he first came out. Yeah, I struggled a little bit, but he's a rookie. It's like Darnold too. I mean, I'm not. 
I was a Dar- I, I told you I was a Darnold guy in college. I think yeah. both these guys can be good. There's ups and downs being a rookie. We see Rosen go through it as well. Yeah. It, it's going to happen. And Josh Allen, too. And Josh Allen, too. Um, they have a good position in place. It's just when you're this close, I'm not expecting playoffs. But there's no. a couple of games where, and that's where I look at coaching, that's where I look at some dumb mistakes. Grant, yeah. we're not getting calls. I mean, it's kind of kind of crazy that the Browns are I, consistently I don't know which getting... call are you talking about, okay, Mitch. All right. <laughs> which no, call are you talking we're about? We're not going to bring up the Raiders game because I've said my piece on that. But Baker Mayfield gets earholed, and they don't call that as an unnecessary roughness, which, okay. Um, it is what it is, but I just thought it was funny and cruel at the same time that Chandler Catanzaro misses an extra point, misses a 40-yard lay. I wouldn't say gimme, but a 40-yard fairly moderately easy field goal, Yeah, and then drills a 59. Like, why couldn't you just end it regulation and, and save us the additional suffering? But yeah. be that as it may, the Bucks got the win. Browns have to um, have to find a way to beat teams that they can, that they can. yet they have as much, if not more talent than, home or away, Win the game. But you know, if the Browns had a better kicking game the first half of this season, they, their record's better. They would have beaten the Steelers yeah. in week one. They would have won week two. So, I mean. Yeah. Well, uh, it could have happened. But I just, I look at the coaching and I get sad. I yeah. Do. And now the Steelers are in first place in that division. Speaking of kicking, I mean, yeah. Justin Tucker missing an extra point. Yeah. Insane. And it, and it took, this is the cruel, cruel irony of the football gods, wherever they may be. <laughs> Is that that was Joe Flacco's best drive in years? Yeah, like <laughs> fourth quarter down seven, effortless, and then he misses his first extra point ever to lose the game. So they lose. The Bengals get absolutely destroyed by the Chiefs. Yeah, Marvin Lewis, I think, is one in twelve in, in Sunday night games. Jesus, <laughs> games now definitely his last That's thirteen. My bad for starting Andy Dalton this week. My fans. I had the team. same problem. Still one problem. Though. Still one. Thanks I to lost. Odell Beckham Jr. and his garbage time. Mm. Must be nice. <laughs> it. Uh, I'm still in like 11th place. So the Steelers, teams, so the Steelers <laughs> will probably win this division with like a 9-6-1 record. I mean, it's just... I, don't maybe know, I, I still think the Ravens have a chance to give them a run for their money. The, that defense is good enough for, I think, when, like we said, mm-hmm. like when the weather starts getting colder, that's when defense really kicks in. Maybe. I think, they have a, I think they have a chance. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But we do have to talk about those two teams that are just unstoppable right now, it seems. The Chiefs. The Raiders? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, the Raiders. <laughs> the Chiefs and the yeah. Rams. The Chiefs have one loss to the Pats. Sunday night game. Come on. that That's going to happen. And that was a shootout. I mean, that's just... 30... If you look at... If you take the second half of that game on, I yeah. mean, the Chiefs' offense is, is rolling beyond belief. And the Rams are doing it with ease and with... with a offensive attack that is led by Todd Gurley, but can do so many different things as well. Their defense, why yeah. put the Rams slightly ahead of the Chiefs? Records aside, defense being better than the Kansas City defense. Yeah. Sean McVay's got that team rolling on all cylinders, and they could have a lot of wins by the end of this year. And I'm not talking just 12 or 13. Yeah, I mean, this is by far the best Rams team we've seen since the greatest show on turf for sure. Mm-hmm. And this offense, honestly, is not quite as good, but dang if they ain't close. You know, I mean, you put Todd Gurley up against Marshall Falk. Yeah, I would take Marshall Falk because he's a bit more versatile, but Gurley's pretty darn good at, you know, as a receiving back as well. Would I take Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods over Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce? Probably not. But still, I mean, this <laughs> they've got a better defense than the greatest show on turf ever had. Shout out to uh, NFL Network's Adam Rank, who we both know for yeah. what I thought was the funniest tweet of Sunday. 
McVay coaches like he's got Gurley on his fantasy team. Yes. Or like he's got a lot of Rams players. Like he's just super aggressive all the oh, time. Oh, yeah. And like the Seattle game a couple weeks ago, just go for it on fourth and one in your own territory. Look, our offense is playing, our defense is struggling a little bit. Let's just end the game now. Um, I'm all for it. That Their division is so bad outside yeah. of them. Uh-huh. They could, they're could playing, push. They're Seattle playing with the house's money. For, Seattle is not going to catch them, obviously, in the division. No. But they could push for that second wild card. That's not out of the realm of possibility. No, it's not. But come on. It, let's just say they get a wild card. Let's say let's just say Seattle happens to win the wild card mm-hmm. round and then go to go to St. Or not St. Louis, yeah. sorry. But go to Los <laughs> Angeles. It's weird if they went to St. Yeah. Louis. <laughs> they go to St. Louis for some reason. Yeah. They, they go to you know L.A. to play the Rams at home. They're not going to win that game. I mean, come on. The, no. the, the Rams are, I mean, granted, we... We won't fully know, but I mean they're definitely the best team in the league right now. I Upsets mean, could always happen. You sure. never know what's going to happen, but it really does kind of feel like we're gearing up for Saints Rams NFC Championship game, and that should be. I would love that. Amazing. I would love to see. I think they play in the regular season too. I'm pretty sure they're on the docket this year. They played last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, could be great. Uh, I would. I would. I would love to see Drew Brees in the. Uh, the NFC Championship That's game. what my Super Bowl picks were preseason. Just want to point out what they were. Saints-Chargers. Saints-Chargers. You know what? And that's I'm not, not I'm, they're, too I'm not, far off. Chargers are... They got two losses to the Rams yeah. and the Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> they win the game in London, which... Side note. I like their. I like the decision to go for two by Vrabel. But, I mean, everyone could question play calling. If they get it right, we're like, what a genius. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, I would have personally run the ball or rolled Mariota Mariot out. But I'm no problem. Play with, for the win. No problem with that, especially when you move the, the Titans are, are having you know Chargers. Are, Chargers are tough. Phil's playing his best. If it wasn't for Pat Mahomes, yeah, and Gurley, Rivers would be at the top of the MVP leaderboard. Oh, but as it down. stands now, he's a distant third because of what those two guys are doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's not too far off. I mean, if you get if you got Chargers Saints, you get the. You get the Breeze Revenge Factor. You get Rivers. I know. Can he win I mean, the big it, one? Look, there's a lot of things to you like get, Will anybody that. in L.A. care if they win the Super Bowl? Will L.A. claim this down the road? Of course they will. They'll add it to the L.A. Lexicon yeah. Sports Championships, which would be utterly so. ridiculous. Yeah, they, they shouldn't. I, I still don't like the fact that you call them the, you know, I have to call them the L.A. Chargers. It's ridiculous. It's, it's obscene. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, Chris Miller on the Money Mitch Effect. I don't know if you want to gloat, toast a beer or what. To Blake Bortles getting benched, <laughs> the Blake yeah. effect. It's it's not over, but it's on life support. Yeah, we're going to the next of kin, and we're like, I don't know. Do we pull the cord? What do we do here? He gets to start in London because Sir Blake Bortles is amazing over there. Yeah, but this is it. Like this is it. If one more bad game, and the Blake era will be dead. So, yeah, and there's there's rumors that I mean the Jags might try to work out a deal to trade for Carr, which ugh. Car or I don't, Bridgewater makes more sense to me. They can get Bridgewater for much cheaper. And yeah, I mean you're well. I'm not just both money that, and that's draft why. picks. Well, that's yeah. why. That's why it makes more sense to me. And Bridgewater and I, is a solid starting quarterback. Yeah, he's gotten a team to the playoffs before, and and the Saints yeah. traded for him, got him for fair value. But I think if they got the right, if they got that same offer, a second round pick, they just give it right back. And yeah, why not? Load up in the draft again. The way Breeze is playing. Yeah, um, yeah. So the Jaguars. I have a buddy who is very convinced that they sacrificed Super Bowls by giving Bortles that deal. I'm not going to fully agree with that, but I will say that uh, they hamstrung uh, themselves a little bit yeah, with not but, with here's what, with not 
bringing in a better backup than Cody Kessler. Their plan B sucked. And yeah. it sucked because their plan A wasn't very good. Kessler's good for a guy like Brady or Breeze. I saw him on the Browns a little bit, where he is a backup that is the least case scenario. Like, we got a guy, if he gets hurt, okay, he can hold the fourth down. But yeah. let's be honest, our Super Bowl chances are pretty much done if the A guy goes down. When you have a guy like Blake sure. Bortles in there, I think you needed to address that situation a little better. Had they had a guy like Bridgewater originally, maybe then you can say, okay, we're going to go yeah, to him. Yeah, sure. Or, you know. But I, I think what ails the Jags this year goes deeper than just Blake Bortles. I mean, first off, Leonard Fournette got hurt in week one, so you lose that, that power back. I got bad back. feelings about him, man. I like watching him play college yeah. and pro, but he's hurt all the time. Right, but I'm just saying, like, you lose that, that, that running element of your game. Now, TJ Yeldon's played very well in, as a backup, mm-hmm. but the, the defense... Is not the defense. It's not Saxonville like it was last year. That's a good point. And I feel like Bortles has taken a lot of the blame. Bortles has played bad. No denying that. He's kept the defense on the field a little bit more, which obviously we know how it works in team sports, whether it's basketball, hockey, football, you name it. If one side isn't carrying their weight, it gets to the the head and the morale of the other side. But you're right. They haven't been as good. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. I I think Jalen Ramsey has spent more time talking and getting burnt than he is stopping uh, stopping guys. Has he been getting burnt? I mean, honestly, I haven't really. He's not looking like he was last year. I mean, he's not terrible. Trust me, I would take him over probably any of the Raiders cornerbacks right now. (laughs) But, (laughs) come on. After we're talking about Eli Apple to the Saints, by the way. Come on. Let's talk about that trade. That's 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 a good. That's that'd be awesome. I, I don't. But Eli Apple's a Buckeye, and I want him to do well. Yeah, he might not play that much for the Saints. He's a nickel guy now. Um, I think what what went down his inability to be a professional. Yeah. That that concerns you don't think me. you don't that think that like Apple and Lattimore than, together are going to be a good combination. That concerns me more than the Odell Beckham stuff. Odell Beckham stuff is just an yeah. immature guy that could get. That's still showing out. That's still doing all the right things. Well, he's not headbutting stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's just immature. Yeah, the Apple stuff. The not taking your job seriously. The famous family member in the news that's kind of spouting off. The that stuff worries yeah. me more. When your teammates, when Landon Collins has to be held back from punching you square in the jaw. Yeah, that worries me. Yeah, but I mean, I, saw, I mean, that's like I'm the Manziel actually, stuff when he was in Cleveland, where the team wasn't rallying around him and like. Yeah, I mean, know. I'm 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 kind of surprised they traded him because I mean, from what I've heard is he was starting to actually turn his shit around. Sorry, pardon my French. All right. Um, he was starting to turn himself around and actually be more serious about playing. I mean, he's he was still not phenomenal this year, but he was better than he has been. But yeah, maybe going to play with Sean Payton and having you know Drew Brees in your locker room as opposed to Eli will be good for him. Who do you think wins that uh, while we wrap up football here, that AFC South division? That's just Suddenly got awful again. Um, it's funny. We're back. We're, oh, we're back to where we were five years ago. Well, let's see. I mean, at this point, we're basically just throwing darts. Uh, let's go Texans. Why not? Four-game four <laughs> winning streak. Who knew, right? Who knew they won let's four go, straight? Let's go with the Texans. They're, I'll say Titans. Why not? I, sure. <laughs> not, what are we doing? I don't know. It's like, um, I well, mean, hey, the Colts looked really good for one week against the Bills, but that's not saying much. Uh, Good to see Captain yeah. Andrew Luck back to at least looking like us, like he's getting there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Old, I mean, old, old he's, he's Civil War there. vet and quarterback Andrew Luck. Yeah, and I had T.Y. Hilton on my bench this week. Mm. Still won, though. Still won. There you go. But, well, uh, yeah. Hey, Chris Miller, this was fun. Always. Last thing, Dodgers or Red Sox, who wins the World Series? 
Ooh, boy. I mean, I'm pulling for the Dodgers, obviously, but uh, the Red Sox are an extremely, immensely talented team. You don't win 108 games, you know, without being a good team. It's going to be tough. Uh, I'll be glad with either one winning. I'd rather see the Dodgers, but I think it's probably going to be the Sox in six. Yeah, it's 3-2 Red Sox right now in the fifth while we record this in game one. Yeah. Love to see the Dodgers win it. They haven't won it in 30. Wouldn't necessarily say I'm happy if the Red Sox win another championship because that's one thing we need in sports is more Boston titles. Right? <laughs> uh, but I think the Red Who Sox... Who doesn't love Boston sports fans? Come I'll on. say Boston in six, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah, but. I mean, they're they're really good. They have the better bullpen. They have the better hitting. So you have to give them the edge. But you never know. I mean, the Dodgers are the, that kind of team that they surprise you sometimes. See what happens. Chris Miller, thanks for joining the show. Hey, my pleasure, man. Anytime. Huge thanks to both guests, Chris Miller and Brandon Marcus, for appearing on today's show. Thanks again to Brian Nelson for supplying the podcast artwork and Tim Adams for supplying the music for the show. Remember, you can find every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Getting a lot of great feedback on the Shane Bieber interview, Indians Pitcher. So thanks to him again. You can also catch our podcast, Running With The Money, myself, Matt Gothard, and Kent Brown. Every Friday, a new episode comes out during the college football season. A lot to discuss this week. Kent's on a heater. We're just going to try to throw water on him and slow him down at all, if at all possible. But I really don't know at this point. Check us out on Friday with that. You can find me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21. And follow us on Facebook, the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page, which has episodes of both podcasts, Running With The Money and Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. And until next time, keep enjoying sports and have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.